Crow Talk. Crow Talk. Crow Talk. Film Squawk. Eighth Grade. Written and directed by Bo Burnham. 2018. Kayla, a genuine 13-year-old, navigates her final week of eighth grade and prepares for a hopefully less disastrous transition to high school. Hello. 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 (laughs) We're back. We're back. It's only been... It's only been two months. (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to backdate it. If you backdate it, then it seems like everything happens on time. We're on schedule. Nope. So let's talk yays. What are some reasons to see this film? I'm Cassidy, and my yay is you should see this film, film, (laughs) film, because you will feel like you felt when you were in eighth grade. It's like an emotional flashback to eighth grade. Like exactly how your heart felt in eighth grade is what this movie will make you feel. My yay. So tricky. My yay is the casting and the music and how that impacted the narrative inside and outside of the film. Rochelle, what's your yay? My yay is the awareness in loose form that this film brings to selfitis, a developing mental disorder, personality disorder that is spawned from the impulsive need to post selfies. So like young, all young people like everywhere. Everybody, I'm like slowly turning in. Well, not no, millennials. I look at it's people's selfies. I don't take them. Cassidy, what's your nay? Oh, I'm going, I don't have a nay. Cool. I was going to go last and steal a little bit of your nays and like oh. put them into my nay. Nay, but, nay. Yeah, nay, nay. <laughs> nay, nay, nay. Okay, well then I won't help <laughs> you because I also don't have I a don't nay. I don't have a nay. I have two nays. <gasps> oh, good. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank God. Somebody's bringing up the nays. My first nay directly relates to my yay. Um, for as much awareness for this new pseudo term, sulfitis, um, for as much awareness as it may bring, it's so subtle that it's still shipping this as a, a cultural norm for youths. Uh, for really anyone, without necessarily being able to explore uh, the negative ramifications. And my second nay is the R rating. Oh, I love that nay. Yeah. <gasps> Let's jump in. I love this. I wonder Can- if for your first nay, if it's just because Bo Burnham, since he wrote it, you know, none of us really experienced the selfitis. Is that what you're calling it, mm-hmm. selfitis? Can you define selfitis for our viewer or listeners? I mean, I think it's imp- pretty clear just by no, understanding the definition. English language. But yeah, I've never heard this term before. So in 2014, there was a hoax article that went around, I believe in the UK, that coined this term selfitis and suggested that there were three levels to this disorder, borderline, acute, and chronic. And just as a lot of studies have been born out of the the concept of measuring um, our reaction to technology and what it's doing to us cognitively, behaviorally, socially, uh, it 
produced this this article, this hoax produced a real study that then was followed up on just looking at um, the drives of people who have the impulse to take selfies all day long. And and it actually modeled the study after this suggestive, borderline acute and chronic trifecta and actually came up with a hundred item behavior scale of which some of the questions are taking selfies gives me a good feeling to better enjoy my environment or I feel confident when I take a selfie and I believe that the results suggested that borderline individuals took selfies three times a day whereas acute um, selfitis sufferers uh, took at least six a day or more Uh, and so it's it's new. It's a new concept relatively, and it's only marginally studied. But it's worth thinking about, and it's worth talking about, um, because there is definitely habituation pervading our youth. Yeah. I heard a statistic, too, about Instagram. Like, when people go to, in travel places, they're oftentimes let down now, because there's no Instagram filter on the real thing. Well, in the study that um, I'm specifically talking about actually measured um, participants in India because they have the most Facebook users and uh, per capita. And so this, this was not done in the States. So And neither was the hoax article published in the States. A lot of this is coming out of international journals and journals out of the UK. Um, what little research is being done. And there's been a lot of uh, changing of language uh, around many different uh, disorders in the last few years, turning them into or developing them into more of health-related concerns, especially when you're working with transgender individuals and and how we're uh, looking at self-identification and and gender identification or genderless identification. Um, And we're not looking those, uh, we are not looking at them as disorders anymore. We're looking at them as um, health issues or health um, changes in awareness. Um, So that being said, how we're approaching behavioral uh, and or personality disorder will also change because of us changing as a culture. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder if Bo didn't include or like didn't focus so much on that because when we were growing up, it wasn't such an issue, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, and it might not have been the time or place. And it you were so immersed immediately in Kayla's world uh, through her eyes. And she works so hard to self-affirm, but she doesn't have hindsight, of course. And those of us who are part of this selfitis world don't really have hindsight either. We're just, we're touching the edges of something we think could be dangerous and we don't have very many words for it. Definitely not cool ones. I mean, selfitis. (laughs) So (laughs) got a nasty case of (laughs) selfitis. It's kind of maybe even a genre that's emerging. I'm thinking of that movie with Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes. Re- uh, Something Goes West. Yeah. Ingrid. Ingrid, Ingrid Goes, goes west, west. Which is the same mm-hmm. examination of uh, that exactly, selfitis. I think that Bo definitely is not necessarily glorifying it. I think he is trying to be objective or paint an objective picture of it. But it is hard to not look at it and be like, this is not healthy. Right. This is a this is a problem that's going to get worse, right? And and unlike Ingrid Goes West, which 
is actually confronting concepts of mental illness. Uh, this this film, eighth grade, really zeroes in on just the vision that is coming of age. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's all of those awkward tendencies, like how yourself is your worst enemy at that point in your life, I think. Mm-hmm. Fighting for your own agency and your own place in the world and the mounting insecurities, of course, puberty, so many different aspects. I think that the the piece that also stands out um, in this film that kind of juxtaposes this concept of selfitis or unhealthily needing to display oneself on the internet is also then what's transpiring in your interactions on the internet. You know, we see a lot of uh, Kayla's self-help videos that she's uploading to YouTube and this warped uh, perception of what is healthy, even just coming from her, her trying to recognize what is and is not healthy, being this advocate for others, but unable to advocate for herself gosh to me that just rings so true of how it felt to be that age though too it's like hey i'm trying to talk to you like a grown-up but i have no fucking idea what i'm saying but i'm gonna do it anyway and i'm gonna try which makes me think of the r rating in some ways though by painting a just a very um, objective picture Mm -hmm. of that world the fact that it is r makes me think that is just true to what he observed and that these kids are dealing with themes that are R-rated or they're saying fuck mm-hmm. um, all these things that we say you shouldn't go see in a movie when they're living this in real life. And I mean, yeah, for me, it hit on so many different eighth grade cylinders. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, I guess eighth graders should be allowed to see R-rated movies because they're living it. Well, when they're written for them or about them, I I agree. And I, there have been a lot of responses online. One father was explaining, I think it was on Twitter, why he allowed his young children to go. I think they were 10 and 12. And he just simply said, my children don't live in a PG-13 world. And it was just, he's like, I went with them. We talked about it. We had a conversation mm-hmm. before. We had conversations after. It sparked additional conversations. And that's just the reality of their life. You know, it's not glossy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, hopefully it does open doors for understanding between parents and kids that age too because you know I think I don't know I don't have kids but I think parents could be looking through a rose tinted glass just as far as like what are your kids experiencing in middle school Mm -hmm. because I mean yeah you have it's like the blowjob stuff with her and the blue-eyed love interest boy you know I mean that all of that stuff to me hits so true to my experience in eighth grade because like boys were coming of age to like be wanting blueies and I mean and at least if you're taking your kids to see a film like this maybe then there's an opportunity to open up some sort of dialogue about that sort of thing instead of like as a young person you thinking like oh I can't tell my parents this because it's highly inappropriate and they'll freak out or yeah like another thing I read was that a uh, a mom took her daughter and she asked her to like close her ears like cover her ears and her daughter turned to her very loudly and said mom I know what a blowjob is gosh wow that's amazing yeah and true yeah it's so true the my favorite shot of the whole movie I have two favorite shots but 
my most pertinent favorite shot of this <laughs> moment is when she goes into the kitchen to get the banana, but like the shot itself is the joke. Yeah. Because of the way he's panning that camera. Mm-hmm. And like Bo kind of opened my mind to that. I've never really seen comedy done with the cinematography right. as much as he did. But that banana shot and then the fact that she hated bananas was fucking brilliant. <laughs> and her dad's just looking Choking at her like, the banana. you're crazy. She just works just it. Like, She's just like, I am following gosh. through. Oh, my gosh. Uh, backed into a corner. I can't handle how much I love her. I watched so many interviews of just her and Bo, and she's just her. Right. Like, she just took his script and regurgitated it through her language. Right. I'm just enamored. Well, and some of what I read about the casting was that Bo had seen quite a few actors for the role, and they had all been playing Kayla. Um, but Elsie was Kayla. Like, she embodied this this person that Bo had written because he didn't write teenage girls. He wrote Kayla. He wrote this girl. And I liked that distinction, especially considering for a good majority of the beginning of the film, I really felt like it was, I really felt like Kayla's character was the every teen, like, very genderless, not because her interests weren't uh, gendered and not because she wasn't very feminine, but because what she was dealing with and how she was feeling and what she was thinking, it felt very universal. Um, And I appreciated that very much. Uh, The idea of stepping back and not relying on gender to sell the story because it's so relatable, no matter whether you identify with gender or not. Yeah, he nailed that. I think we've like criticized before men writing women a little mm-hmm. bit, but in this case, I thought it was so brilliantly done. I have no complaints. Oh my gosh. Yeah, thank you, Bo. I felt like it was more true. Her, I felt that her, I felt that casting a little girl as the lead, which is very much about him, like this is a biography in some, to some degree right. I felt like this was more truthful than a documentary about Bo right like that blew me away yeah he actually did the thing too where he in sixth grade wrote a letter to his 12th grade oh self oh my gosh oh, that's and right. he released it yeah I during didn't promotion it. of the film I'm sorry I didn't read it either but he did that <laughs> cool <laughs> and I you know I really applaud him for I mean, you know, Bo has done so many cool things, and he's so young, just turned 28, uh, but he's applied himself relentlessly, and I, I felt a lot of humility in this film, and I think that that is not always something I, I feel or pick up on in films written by men about women, and, you know, I feel that in The Handmaid's Tale, I feel a humility in that writing, um, this man coming along and, and writing um, or rewriting this this incredible story. Um, it's just, it's infrequent for me. And so I really appreciated that through the entire film. Uh, I appreciated that he took just as much care with the way that Kayla interacts with her father as her father interacts with Kayla. I, I felt that dynamic to be um, wonderful. You know, we've got a really not cool dad in all the best possible ways. Uh, 
And that's just extremely affirming. I think uh, in a world where parenting is taking a lot of hits, I like seeing role models. Yeah. And he was really complex, too. I felt that um, they matched each other's neurotic yeah. uh, tendencies. Like They were both. He was messed up yeah. and neurotic and passed these neuroses down to his daughter. Mm-hmm. And never felt cool for his daughter. Like, yeah, like you're just, watching, cool. yeah. you're just watching <laughs> these two like at odds with each other, but you're exactly the same. Right. So, you know, it is kind of a cliche to have an uncool dad, but he made it so complex. I feel like most of the situations he handled were just done like very tenderly and mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think he really nailed it. Like the scene with her in the car with the high school guy. Like, I think there could have been a lot. I don't know. I just think it's interesting coming from a male perspective and being a female that's gone to middle school, you know, and feeling those pressures from men, but that Bo could still take all of that and distill it into a scene that was really powerful and important. I think for young men and women everywhere, but specifically for the girl, I was like, how did he, how did he know to hit, this oh, nail right. on the head right yeah. here like He's a feminist yes it's just so well done and like tender almost to me i don't know i i, I really felt the partnership in that scene between Bo and elsie uh and the deliverance of it uh because it hit every note exactly right talk about another massively infrequent occurrence especially mm-hmm. when you're dealing with the nuance that is assault mm-hmm. yeah and what it can look like yeah and all the forms it can take mm-hmm. and how it how it begins um or doesn't begin how it's just perpetuated mm-hmm. yeah blown away <laughs> yeah i felt Bo everywhere i felt him most acutely through her but all of the side characters Same. i felt Bo like with most beautiful eyes I just could see Bo in his Netflix specials, you know, being the cocky son of a bitch. He was, he like distilled aspects of his personality and all the things that he hates about himself was the environment of this film. I mean, it just, I couldn't, I was so meta about this film just because I felt Bo so much in the directing, the music choices that he made, the, the cinematography, the editing. It felt, I felt his, um, his Netflix th- specials, the the vibe that those pieces have and the pace that those have, he brought that into this tender narrative. And it just, I couldn't stop thinking about that through the whole thing. Bo was just everywhere. Yeah, it was crazy. I've never felt like an actor or a comedian or a director like through the camera movement. Yeah. It blew my mind, which I'm going to do it. it. leads me to my second favorite shot of the film, which is actually maybe my first favorite. Oh. <laughs> I can't wait to hear it. It's the band teacher. Oh, it is the band teacher. <laughs> that slow zoom out is a joke. And fun fact, I know the fun fact. That wasn't even in the movie. It was not written the in the movie. It sorry, into the script mm-hmm. and then they showed up to the middle school and that was the fucking band teacher <laughs> with that hair winning. And so they just added that in. Yeah. He said he didn't even know what he was going to wear. Yeah. But that he wore a white shirt and he was like, that guy knows what he's got. <laughs> he knows how to work what he's got. And what he's got is a rat tail. <laughs> so amazing. And that slow zoom. Uh, it just, it blew my mind. Both of those shots 
blew my mind. I've never experienced anything like that in a movie. Mm-hmm. Well, it adds to the cadence, right? So when you're watching either of the the Netflix specials that Bo has put on, um, there's definitely a rhythm to them. And when you get familiar, you can start to spot it. And I, I agree, Stacey, that I felt that in in the music. I felt that in just how we're actually setting each scene, um, the rise and fall of the action, and then absolutely uh, in the camera itself and how it's moving. It's, it's almost like part of one of Bo's songs that mm-hmm. is just now suddenly spiraling into something way, way too funny. <laughs> yes. Uh, so okay. It's a brilliant movie. Like, he yeah. did a brilliant job. I uh, I read I read quite a few articles just trying to get a pulse on what is being talked about, what is being said. I mean, this film now is gross like thirteen million, I think, and uh, for such a small production, such an indie, truly indie production, that is just astounding. It's phenomenal. I'm so excited for the entire world. Really, <laughs> everyone who's seen it. It is a gift. Mm-hmm. Uh but I actually read something that was very curious to me. Uh, and it was written by a woman in her 50s. And she was saying that Kayla was a very blank character. And I believe I read this from another uh, author, another writer, another um, reporter from a male's perspective as well, that Kayla was a blank character. And they were both, they were both in their 50s. And I'm only saying this because I don't know if that matters but I didn't think that once. It didn't even occur to me because that is how much friction is in a 13-year-old's brain, that it's everywhere and nowhere. And so does that, does that lend itself to seeming blank to adults? My mind instantly just jumps to like where they're coming from and the type of cinema maybe that they've seen because we're going towards such like hyper-realism now right. in film. That maybe two people growing up watching like people acting when mm-hmm. they're on the screen, she could seem like a flat character, maybe. I mean, that's just where my mind went, because I agree with you. I think she was a very deep, complex, amazing, awkward, perfect eighth grade girl. So Same. She was so authentic. And Bo didn't write caricatures of children, of right. kids. And uh, that is absolutely what we're used to. And that's where we're coming from. And that's why we're closing our kids' ears and eyes when blowjobs are on the screen and stuff. I mean, I just, yeah, maybe it is this like fictitious fantasy of what we want childhood to mean. And just what acting looks like and what what you film. You know what I mean? Like this is a story and these are all the characters in the story. And they have these hobbies. Yes. And they say these lines and then they do these things and then the story is over. Like that's a movie. That's a story. And she is a very, it was a daring casting call, I think, you know, I mean, just very atypical. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Like just very against the grain, I think, of how most films are cast. And she talks about that. She was thinking about, Elsie was thinking about just taking a break from acting because you know she she really understands who she is and she understands what is getting cast and that just never seemed to it wasn't fitting for her um you know she's done the despicable me films she's voiced those and she's done well it's just that she doesn't fit the typical mold. mold yeah and so the idea that 
you know, we got to see acne and we got to see greasy hair and we got to see clothing just not quite fitting right because it never did. It never no, no, fit you right. You never feel okay. I mean, ever maybe, but like, I mean, even through high school, I still was like, mm-hmm. what is style? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why know? does my like, body move like this? Yes. What is this role? Yes. Where did it come exactly. from? And it's refreshing because, you know, when we grew up, a lot of the depictions are done with people that are like in their 20s. Oh, yeah. And so totally, I find it completely refreshing that he cast an actual eighth grade girl as an yeah. eighth grade girl. Well, and eighth grade boys. Yes. I appreciate that them seriously. as well. Tiny cherub, little blue-eyed. Right? Well, I mean... Best eyes. Best eyes. Yeah, I mean, Aiden, guy crush. Ugh. Ugh. Not as ugh as uh, Riley, the fake oh. guy who made nightmares come true. Oh but... Um, Riley. Why do I... I'm guy forgetting in, Riley. Guy in the, in oh, the, the car. Car, mm-hmm. car guy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Car guy. Who... P.S. Car guy. No high school girls like you, so fuck you. Yeah, seriously. Mad at you. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but Gabe... The guy you actually want to be friends with. <gasps> I know. Tiny little Jason Schwartzman or whatever. Oh, he looks exactly oh gosh, like him. Schwartzman. They oh. even are like. They're like the same. Yeah. They have the same <laughs> yes. like idiosyncratic thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. And that is true too. I mean, I thought all of it was just so brilliant because at that point in your life, you have an idea of like who you should be friends with and like what's cool. And like the reality is, is typically those aren't your people aren't your friends right. and the people that you find are not who you would expect to be so close with. And that's what makes it amazing. Exactly. Especially when hindsight finally kicks in. <laughs> oh, that good old hindsight. <laughs> oh, when are we going to get that by the way? Never. How is 13 different than thirties by the way, by the way, by the way, 13 going on 30. I know there's that movie. Well, we know what blowjobs are now. <sighs> Apparently, no 13 year olds know that too. Oh yeah. my gosh. But really, I mean, I it's the hindsight, I guess, but then you're recognizing that there's a lot more hindsight to come. Mm-hmm. So it's not real. Yeah. <laughs> and you're never going to get it. And yeah, you I was going to say like being that. comfortable in your skin, but mine's like getting looser by the day. So, <laughs> so you're getting really it's comfortable. It's going to come full circle. <laughs> so you're getting extra comfy. <laughs> so comfy. I'm like letting my elastic waistband out, but like it's my skin. <laughs> Oh, I think that, that that was the universality that I really locked in with at the very beginning. Because, yeah, you're seeing this this world through 13-year-old eyes. But it looks so similar just as you grow up because you're still navigating insecurities. You're still navigating people who are going to hurt you and use you. And that's why the dad is so important. Yeah. Because I think that is kind of, I mean, not kind of, I think that's what he is depicting Mm-hmm. Is that like extreme parallel between what his daughter is dealing with, but then he as an adult is dealing with those same insecurities, but they're like about what his daughter thinks of him. So true. Well, and I mean, my favorite moment, well, definitely top, top couple favorite moment. Uh, <laughs> top favorite moment was after the car scene, you know, she's been pushing her dad away. Kayla's just been pushing, pushing, and they've been like at odds she's coming to her own like climax as a character getting ready to finish up this year and and move on and it's high anxiety and her dad's taking the brunt of it too and that really doesn't matter because she comes through the door and slams her bedroom door goes in and he is through the door in a second it's like he doesn't wonder oh should I go in it's like no this is this is real I'm there we're doing this together and it's I don't know that's 
they call him they say he's fighting for best dad award from the dad of last year's yeah, call me by your name yes best dad of the year award that's <laughs> oh exactly what i was thinking you know the what? battles on it's it's a pretty even fight i love seeing the single dad too can we talk about that for a quick sec yeah. like thank you bo for putting on a single dad because i feel like we grew up in the 90s generation of people being like my dad's gonna hate myself now <laughs> <laughs> thank you Blake, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> so i think it was refreshing too to have a single dad because my parents got to i went through middle school with not a single dad but you know my parents were divorced and like mm-hmm. yeah i felt a lot of my dad in that dad's character too because it didn't matter he was relentlessly there and loving his daughter and that was like really the bottom line, you know, and I just thought that was, yeah, lovely to see on screen because it's not really a narrative or like a story point that you see very often. You oftentimes see the absent father over it. And I thought Josh Hamilton nailed it. He oh, nailed so it. nailed it. Fantastic casting. God, like what else has he been in? Cause Fra- I've seen- he's in Francis Ha. And oh, he's okay. in uh, 13 Reasons Why, I guess. Of course, I haven't oh, seen that. Haven't seen that. that. He's in some, to. like, weird, like, it's probably some, like, murder mystery movie or something. He's in the film, the 90s film, Kicking and Screaming. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think he's one of those actors that, is, he, that have been working lot. for a long time. Yeah. So we just know his face. Yeah, I know that face. <laughs> but I don't know why. Why? Kicking and Screaming. Talking about Kicking and Screaming. Can we talk about the pool party? <gasps> was that a horror nightmare for anyone else? It was. Okay, I was very different than Elsie's character. I was a popular lady. <laughs> so that being said, it's still, oh, it still hits. It all goes back to like no sense of self yet, I think. And just trying to be, I guess for me, maybe I was always trying to be older than I was. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was like magazines and then again, maybe like the way that movies were cast and stuff, but I was always like insecure on that level, right? And and so, oh yeah, it was sickeningly true. And I still feel like that. Like (laughs) I have done birthday getaways for my like 27th birthday or something like that, 26th maybe with a bunch of friends where you we stayed in a cabin right. and instantly you're like, oh my God, I'm going to have to poop in the toilet at some point. And there are, <laughs> my friends are here and I, <laughs> I hate myself and I hate everything and I want to go home. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. he hit on so many deep feelings that everybody I think can identify with. That was a long saga about me in middle school. So. I loved it. No, I, I think loved that makes it. total sense. And just because you sometimes can tell when someone's feeling uncomfortable more than you can tell the another person is feeling uncomfortable doesn't mean that everyone's not equally uncomfortable in their own very independent hyper insecure way and that's why I really appreciated this the handling of Mean Girls so different Mm -hmm. than than past films like Mean Girls Mm -hmm. it's so introverted mean these days it's so exclusionary without even paying any mind like there are no burn books no one has time for that no one gives a fuck right you are just not on their radar you do not exist Mm -hmm. you don't even get to be called horrible things anymore which is great except for now kids feel completely invisible yeah and i i I would never be able to say which is worse they're just both intolerable yeah Mm -hmm. it was a real pool party by the way what that was a real pool party yes yes so it wasn't fact. even like it wasn't staged. They just no, were like they we're like having a pool party. They like threw a fucking pool party. Okay. 
That's great. Wow, I'm not surprised at all. That yeah. makes sense. I mean, yeah, that, that what a great way of, of capturing what's really going on, especially because these are all not a lot of non-actors, I'd assume, mm-hmm. or just new actors. Obviously, they're young. And so they're going to just have all their normal stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder if that's just like intuition, you know, we're just like picking up on all of those silent, awkward thoughts that they were having anyway. Right. Because can you imagine being at a pool party in middle school with a camera on you? Oh, no. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I wonder what that looked like. I'm sure it was very minimal. Like, not too invasive. Right, but just like that added, you know what I mean? Just like that added understanding Mm -hmm. that you're being filmed. This is, people are going to see this. The horror extends beyond this moment. I didn't go to a pool party when I was 13. And when I tried to imagine what a pool party looks like when I was 13, Mm -hmm. I imagined that scene. Like, it was like a watering hole <laughs> in a desert that's been dry for like 30 years. Oh, yeah. And so everyone is just savage. Oh, yeah. It was terrifying. But there's like braces and birthday cakes. Braces. Like and they're soggy. just like, oh. Yeah, My grandma had a pool, an indoor pool in Colorado. And so it was like the pool that like all the kids in the oh. whole town <laughs> had their birthday parties at. So many a pool party. Oh, man. And yeah, I mean, I can like feel it right now. Oh, so much in anxiety. My, chest. my best like friend in high school it. had an indoor pool here in Ooh. Washington over by the bay. And yeah, that was, I mean, and her brother was a couple years older than us. So we always had like oh, the no. seniors over. And so we're having like this swim time after dinner. And then all these upperclassmen would come in and I'd be like, oh my God, oh my I'm fine. <laughs> I feel fantastic. Cannonball. And then you look cool. at their- their friends the girls who come over and they don't get their hair wet and i've got snot dripping down i'm like i'm the oh fun girl <laughs> i'm a freshman <laughs> and you just it's just it's real life it's mm-hmm. real life and yeah it doesn't matter if you're snot girl or hair <laughs> not white girl you're just like shit i have to go by the seat of my pants suddenly let's just get through this <laughs> yeah and you can't leave because you're spending the night yeah oh, no. and those feelings last until you are 20 thousand years old See, <laughs> at I least feel, i feel like i feel more like kaylin now than i did back then just because she was so fearless you right. know with the karaoke scene and mm-hmm. how she's like i'm gonna fake it till i make it right which is like how i am now like i'm finally her at 13 so just imagine her <laughs> and she's our age oh the my confidence gosh. on that girl oh my word Whoa. we can only hope to be Kayla. I know. I hope i'm kayla when at i'm 13 95. like are you kidding me <laughs> yeah. well and she's so she's so authentic She's working so hard to be her best self and she's constantly talking to herself. I I know that there was a lot of dialogue about this warped sense of of self self speak and and how there's been this whole generation of self help that's now warped and now we're using it wrong and saying it wrong. You know what? She's talking to herself. She's working on her self awareness and that that's huge. Mm-hmm. And she has a support system and and she's gonna keep getting through it cuz she keeps encouraging herself. And mm-hmm. even if she and she's encouraging everyone else too, but even if no one ever listens, I just don't see her not encouraging herself because mm-hmm. she doesn't seem to have a choice but to keep going. Yeah, and it's just so inspirational. It really That's is, like on such a fundamentally real level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her struggle too with like her own identity in terms uh, of someone else. Like, am I being myself? Mm-hmm. Like, aren't I always being myself? That that line really stuck with me because I feel I feel that frequently even as an adult mm-hmm. I'm like 
I, I feel different versions of myself right. come out depending on who I'm around. Mm -hmm. It's bad. I d well, I don't know if it's bad. It just is. So then it's like, well, when am I being myself? Right. Like when I'm alone and no one's talking to me, I don't think that's me. Right. But I feel, I feel what the world does to who I am mm -hmm. and what it either brings out or pushes down. Um, and that's something that I think is hard to talk about that this film was able to articulate in one sentence. Like, yeah. well, aren't I always being myself? Mm -hmm. that part was really like profound for me in the theater yeah now all I can think about is like Bo Burnham how the fuck did you do this like how did you do this he took so many different like tiny nuances of what it feels like to be that age and just human like how did he do this he's just been in that world like he he studied experimental theater in college like he's been introspecting on every level of his life man since he started doing youtube videos you know as a kid like i don't know i think he really has spent most of his life exploring that question of like what am i who am i what am i doing right now and is that real i can't believe how well done it was and just how young bo is well, and I think it's funny because what we're saying, like what you just said, Stacy, was imagine Kayla at our age and well, that's Bo. Yeah, <gasps> exactly. It is. I mean, we're a bit older than you, Bo. We're a bit older than but you, you're on little your way. boy. But damn, seriously. <laughs> little tiny, like, tall, tall Bo. That's all I could see <laughs> when I saw her. I was like, when you strip away all the like masturbation jokes from Bo's comedy, mm -hmm. underneath is this sweet little girl. Yeah. Like, that is Bo. That's how I even felt the when he's whole doing time. his like masturbation jokes. You For masturbation jokes, away. he does them very well. He does, but and he's like examining that part of him, like that very, I guess, masculine part, his libido, and he's he's examining it all. But when you strip it away, there's this little girl. Like, oh, what? <gasps> so, what are we going to take away with us from seeing eighth grade, becoming eighth grade? Living eighth grade. Mm. Repeat stuff, repeat stuff, repeat stuff. Maybe we can make something this good someday. Um, I hope. Gosh, I don't even know like what to give as a takeaway. It just like blew my mind. I think my takeaway from eighth grade is just see it. I uh, I felt strangely exposed and vulnerable while watching it, and I think that's something everyone really needs to experience more of when they're engaging with film especially through the lens of our former and current and present selves concurrently and if you have any say or any chance at all see eighth grade with an eighth grader or better yet a stranger like i did sixth grader sitting next to my partner and i and i just was dying to crawl inside his brain he was there with his grandmother and i just i wanted to know what he was thinking and how how it impacted him and so, yeah, see it, see it with a kid, share it with children. Fuck the R rating. Yeah, fuck the mm -hmm. R rating. It's a really important film. Like, wow. It's a beautiful biography oh. of Bo Burnham. Like, if you want to go learn about Bo and, like, the rest of the world and yourself, <laughs> um, go see eighth grade <laughs> because you will see his soul on screen. And it's beautiful. And it, the destruction of the coming of age fantasy too. Oh like, my god, I loved as that. far as the the criticism of her being flat. Like this movie just destroys and rebuilds w what 
a coming of age story actually is. It's a game changer. What it just could look like. It's a game changer. It took all the candy coating away. Mm-hmm. And just, just left the truth. Just a little sweet little peanut. If you're eating peanut M&M's. I think I it's a, a chance. I think it's a chance to step away from film being escapism and being a tool for learning. Totally. Thank like, God. It's reclaiming <gasps> film in a way or redefining it. Kids today. Kids today. I'll be her one day. I'll be just like her. We can only hope. We can only hope. Beep. 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 Gucci. This has been a Talking to Crows production. 